It's Sunday night, it's 9.30pm and it's time for the Jersnet podcast. We're here live to bring you the last word on your Rangers weekend on the free and independent show made by the fans for the fans. and hold our nerve out in Poland as well as fallen foul of UEFA's disciplinary process. We're going to be discussing all of this and plenty, plenty more on tonight's show, which happens to be Jersnet podcast number 55. As I say, we're coming to you live and this is your show, so please do get involved. We've activated the comments on the YouTube stream there, so if you were at the game today, please do let us know your thoughts. Even if you weren't at the game, then please do say hello as well and get involved in the show. As always, if you're not listening live, the pod is available for download from Monday morning. Um, you can grab that on iTunes, on Acast, Stitcher, Google Music, everywhere you get your regular podcasts. If you've not done so already, please do make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. My name's Ross Bennett and I'm going to be your Jersnet host this evening. Uh, and I'm delighted to be joined by two regulars to the show. First up is John McCallum. John, how are you doing this evening? I'm well. I'm well, Ross. I can't complain at all. It was a nice weekend. The sun shone. I, uh, I, did, a, I did a charity walk today for, for Beatson. So if anyone was in Glasgow and saw lots of people in yellow walking about, I was one of them. Um, uh, yesterday I had a bit of hill walking um, and made the most of the unseasonally warm weather so it was great, yep and, um, Rangers won and I'm looking forward to the week ahead How about yourself, how are you? I'm very, very good, I'm warm I'm really, really warm, it's hot down here um, and also it's a bank holiday weekend in England so I've got the day off tomorrow so um, absolutely delighted, how are your feet feeling? I'm tired, I won't lie I'm, uh, I'm not as fit as I once was, that came over loud and clear um, you know, I've 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 taken a couple of injections to be here tonight. Well, we're we're delighted that you have. <laughs> also, returning to the show this evening is Graham Gallagher. Graham, now can you promise me that there aren't going to be any naughty add-ons from you this evening, just in case a UEFA delegate uh, delegate is listening in? Oh, hello, hello. No, there won't be any naughty add-ons from me. That's for sure. Good, I don't know what you're like. <laughs> you uh, were you um were you at the game today, or were you watching on the telly? No, I wasn't quite as active as John. I was I was an armchair fan today. Fantastic. Ah, same as me. Same as me. Right, listen, um, obviously we joke about the UEFA delegates and the punishments and all that. That's all going to come over in good time. But first things first, this is a football podcast. We're here to talk about Rangers. We've had two games this week, which is what I want to talk about above all else. Um, I think the best place to start is over in the Costa del Paisley with today's game against St Mirren. Um, now, Graham, depending on who you speak to, today's game either showed us that we still can't break down defensive sides and it's all a disaster, or it's demonstrated an excellent desire and grit and determination to win against a team who parked 11 men behind the ball. What did you make of that? I thought St Mern set up the way they have in the first two games of the season. Very difficult to break down. Um, I mean, they only lost by an odd goal against Hibs and they beat Aberdeen. Um, yeah, that's more or less what I was expecting from them. You know, at times it felt a bit like uh, watching uh, primary school football when uh, any of our attackers or midfielders were in or around the box. There were like five or six people around them all trying to get a kick at it and get it away. Um, unfortunately for us, Rangers were professional enough to, to finally get the win in a, in a game that we would normally have drawn last season. I think I agree with you there. So it's a game that we really would have struggled in last year. And it's similar to how we started the season against Kilmarnock is that, you know, we've, we've taken three points from somewhere that we might have taken one point last season. 
But like you say, we clearly still slightly struggled to break them down with them putting at times all 11 men behind the ball. And there were times when, you know, we were, we had our back line in, in Hellander and Goldson were what, 25, 30 yards away from the St Mirren goal line. So we were pushing, pushing hard. And, and like you say, they were crowding out our strikers, crowding out our attackers, and it was difficult to find that, that space. John, is it a, a concern perhaps that we're still struggling to break down these teams? I mean, let's be fair, if we didn't score from a set piece today, that was ending nil-nil. No, I don't think it is a concern. I mean, we did we did break them down. We did win. A piece of magic won that game. Um, and that's what that's what's required. That's what's always been required. I mean, go back to go back to the days of Brian Loudrop. You know, we needed a piece of magic. We needed a genius to win games against teams like St. Mern in those days. And in those days, it's not changed that much. St. Mern came out to try and not lose. That was their entire game plan. Um, they didn't want, they saw what happened to Hibs and they didn't want the same thing to happen to them. Um, and they they played that way and it was successful for them. They got away with a, a, a 1-0. They could have perhaps sneaked a draw at the end. Um, so no, it doesn't worry me enormously. We don't have the players we had. I mean, I, you know, I name check Loudrop. We don't have a player as good as Loudrop. Um, however, uh, you know, we know what we're up against. And, you know, overall, I'm fairly satisfied a 1-0 after a European game away to St. Martin early in the season, I'm happy with one now. Uh, so it's not what I missed uh, hugely, though. Well, I guess above all else, it kind of shows progression from last season. It shows a, a, a maturing side and a side that's kind of gaining that mental toughness, whether that's been drilled into them over the summer or whether that's been recruitment. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, that's, that's nine points from available nine. Um, I think the team in third place are in five points. So it's, it's kind of clear that there's going to be two two breakaway teams in this league, kind of going back to the olden days. Um, Graham, if we look at the starting lineup of the side, it was big Philip Hellander. Right, we need to clear this up, by the way, Graham. Hellander or Hollander? How are we, what are we coming down on? Oh, I would say Hollander. Hollander, right. I'll go with that. It's Big Phil, is that not what we're calling him? Big Phil, right. Big Phil had his first league appearance today. Um, First things first, Graham. What did you make of the performance? It's a four million pound player by some accounts, so you know. I think he's still finding his feet, to be honest. Um, When when Golson and Katic are playing, Katic is a very very aggressive player. He attacks every ball that comes anywhere near the the the, uh, that comes anywhere near the box. So Golson sort of acts like a sweeper on him. Um, but when he was with Hellander today, Hellander being a, a more senior pro than, than Nikola Katic, he, well, he, he, st- he stood off him quite a bit, which I don't necessarily think helped Hellander. Um, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't his usual, Conor Golson wasn't his usual barking commands um, as he would with Nikola Katic, because I think he recognises a senior pro. Um but other than that, I thought I thought he I don't think he was tested much. Um, he was a little bit weak in the first ten minutes as far as high balls were concerned and heading. But other than that, you know, you could put that down to this is his first um, this is his first Scottish League Cup game. Oh, sorry, sorry, Scottish League game, um, and he has to come up to speed on it. Uh, he's been out for um, quite a wee while. He's just coming up to fitness. So, you know, there's, there's a few excuses you could make for him. But uh, overall, I thought he did okay. I don't think he was a disaster. Well, I mean, yeah, he's been 
very much eased into Scottish football at the shallow end against East Fife and St Mirren. And, and next week, if he gets the nod, it's going to be a, a hell of a lot tougher. Um, John, do you think it's perhaps unfair on Nico Katic that he was the one to drop out? You know, like we mentioned, Katic, Katic's progression over the summer has been superb, right? And the way that he attacks every ball, he's a much more composed player than he was at times last season. Um, and I thought he's, he's been looking like one of our best players throughout the course of the season so far. Was it harsh for Katic to miss out in this game, um, considering that, in my opinion, I think we'll come on to it, they're starting to be questions asked about Goldson's defensive attributes? I haven't um, I haven't heard Gerard speak. I didn't hear Gerard speak before the match. Did he give? Did he say that Katic had been dropped? Um, because if he did, I think it, it is pretty harsh, because I think Katic just started the season really, really well. Um, you know, watching him on Thursday night, I, I, I thought he was our best defender on Thursday night. I know he's he's a something of a polarizing player still for some of the support, but you know I think he's come on leaps and bounds. Um, and if if he was if he was dropped for you know poor form, I would be very very surprised. If he was rested because you know he picked up a knock, or perhaps the 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 feeling is that you know he needed a rest ahead of two very big games coming up, um, that I would find much more uh, I, I, that that would make much more sense to me. Um, I would be surprised if Katic isn't in the team on Thursday if he's fit. I would expect him to start. I think him and Goldson remain our, our first choice centre-half pairing. Um, so if he has been dropped, I think that would be very harsh. And in fact, if anything, I think his form has been better than Goldson's um, at the start of the season. Um, exactly. That's, that's the point I want to jump in on. That, that I think his, his form, his performances have been stronger than Goldson's. And it's starting to slightly worry me with Conor Goldson is the way that he lets the ball bounce. And a long ball will kind of come over the top. And for me, I want my defenders to be defenders and clear the ball. If there's a long threatening ball coming over the top, you don't let the ball bounce. That's like rule number one of dealing with a, a long ball. And Goldson sometimes seems to slightly panic. And with these long balls, he's almost the opposite of, of Katic, who will just get up, get his head on the ball and head it 25 yards back the way. Whereas Goldson will let the ball drop and sometimes play himself into trouble. And with that in mind... Would you be comfortable playing Goldson in both games this week, John? Considering you know this, this week could, whilst it's early, be a real season-defining week. Yeah, with a, with a huge week ahead, uh, and May, on and off the part with a huge week ahead, I would be I would be comfortable. Uh, Jersnet did the player of the season um, um, last season, um, and and I said Goldson was was the player of the season, and everybody who didn't say Goldson was wrong. Um, because Goldson was our player of the season, um, <laughs> and I think I think everybody else knows that now. You know, they've, I've convinced them all since then. Um, and I, you know, I, I agree. I think when I said it myself, Katic, I think has actually started the season better than Goldson. But no, I still think Goldson is 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 a, a very very good centre half. And I haven't seen enough of Big Phil or or Ed, Edmondson either to know if they're they're better than than. Um, than Goldson, but I would still Goldson would still be one of the first names on my team sheet. Um, you know, you know, they let one against Warsaw. You kind of let one past. It was a strange one. I couldn't figure out if he misjudged it or if he just missed it. It was a kind of you know one of them kind of flashing drive across the six yard box, um, kind of heart in the mouth stuff on Thursday night, which you know you looked at two or three times in the replay and you thought, I don't know. As I say, I don't know if you misjudged that or if you if you just missed it. Either way, it didn't look too clever. But, you know, I, I think um, I'd still want Goldson there. 
uh, he would still be my first choice. Um, you know, we'll see what the other two, but the two new centre halves are like over the next coming months. But for now, the Katic and Goldson would start for me. Do you I think it's just a case of? Uh, I think it's just a case of perm two from four, in there as far as that's concerned, John. Yeah. Um, I think I don't think Nikola Katic was dropped today. I think he was he was rested. I think the only person who had any injury concerns was uh, Shea Ojo. Um, uh, something that he might have picked up on Thursday night. I thought Flanagan maybe took a knock on Thursday night. Um, yeah, that's possible. Well, as well. I wondered if that's why he was out. So it sounds like what we're saying then is that on Thursday, we shape up with Katic and Goldson at the back, and that in what could be our last European game for the season, there's no place for our big four million pound centre half. Um, no, not based on current form. Um, you know, I, I think the fact he costs four million pounds is irrelevant in this conversation. But I mean, does that does that make it more of a, a considering the fact that we've got Goldson and Katic, who are probably two of our stronger players throughout the eleven, we've got Edmondson sitting behind them. Does it make it even more as the weeks go by, more and more strange and confusing that we spent four million pounds on another centre half? How many how many goals have we conceded this season so far? I could count them on one hand. Exactly. So you know the defence is playing well just now. Um, you know it would be it would be criminal to. To, to look at that defence just now, you know, with the possible exception of left back, um, you, you couldn't certainly look at the, the right back or the centre halves and say, right, you know, one of you two needs, or one of you three needs drop. Um, the fact that that we have two good centre halves um, sitting on the sidelines awaiting their chance is possibly why Katic is playing so well. Um, you you probably won't remember this, Ross. We used to have a player play for us, a guy called Mark Haley. Um, ask your dad about him. But we spent, we broke the British record to buy a guy called Duncan Ferguson. Um, you know, biggest signing in Britain at the time. Literally made the news at 10. Um, and, you know, Ferguson, you, I mean, I'm, I'm being slightly flippant. You know the kind of player Ferguson was. Um, but Ferguson was very much viewed as a replacement for Mark Haley. And the season we, the, the season we signed Ferguson, Haley had his best season for Rangers. He rose to that challenge. And it could be that Katic is rising to the to the challenge. Could be that Katic is, is you know has realised okay if I want in this team, um, if I want to be a part of this, then I need to be at the top of my game every week. And you know if that costs us four million pounds to bring in a guy who who will get a game, you know centre halves pick up bookings, centre halves get sent off, and centre halves pick up injuries. And if we go through on Thursday, we'll have a lot of games to play. So so they'll all get a chance. I don't have any doubt about that. Um, but I have absolutely no problem with us having spent that money on a centre half, particularly, you know, hoping he's a good centre half. I think that was a very wise move. And, you know, it's a long season. Um, so, you know, I think they'll all have a part to play. You could tell the value of them, both of them today, because for most of the game, they played the game in St. Mern's half, across the halfway line, and not in defence at all. Katic has been a. Tell you what I've liked about Katic this season. He's a threat in the opposition box as well. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, he's extremely dangerous in the air at set pieces. Yeah, I think he's probably our our, our most dangerous player at corners and and um, you know that kind of set piece. Uh, I think Katic is the one that that occupies the mind of the um, the opposition. His goal in Midland was was absolutely fantastic with the outside of the boot. Mm. Ah, his goal in Denmark was was supreme. I loved it. If if we stay with the back line though, and we move away from the centre half, so obviously the right back slot is nailed down. 
Um, Borna Barisic today arguably had his best game for Rangers and scored an absolutely stunning goal. And if there's anyone listening to the to the show um, and hasn't seen the goal, it's it's just wonderful. It's a, a perfect postage stamp free kick, really, really nice at a time that we needed it. Um, first things first, Graham, what can that do for his confidence? There's a lot of people saying online this evening that, you know, Barisic needed that and now he can kick on and be the player we all know he can be. Is that is that a wee bit simplistic? Is that oversimplifying things a bit? Is it oversimplifying things about his confidence? Well, I don't know. He seemed to enjoy scoring. Um, straight to the fans, although he's booked for it at the end. But um, yeah, it seemed to it seemed to it seemed to mean a lot to him. Or well, at least it looked like it meant a lot to him. So yeah, of course it would it would boost his confidence scoring a goal like that. It was a peach. And you know, it wasn't as if he smashed it into the goal, he placed it delicately. Passed it into the net up in that corner. A fantastic goal. I knew exactly what he wanted to do with it, but I guess the question is, what does Barisic need to do now to nail down that left-back slot above two guys who aren't even natural left-backs? Um, Just and, keep playing and, the way he's playing. And today's goal, help him with that, help him with the confidence and, and help him to get there. Well, the way he started the season, I didn't think he'd done anything wrong to be dropped in the first place for John Flanagan. Um, other people had a different opinion at that, but I didn't see it, it, they had done anything. But he doesn't offer anything going forward. Well, come on, he was teamed up against both Chris Burke and uh, the, the lad O'Donnell. And Scott Alfie wasn't making the runs for him inside him because Scott was playing tight. Uh, so, so he didn't really have the opportunity to make many the overlap uh, and then booked in the first half, so removed for his own safety, I think. But uh, I, didn't, I didn't see him making... Any mistakes? He's called a cracking goal against St. Joseph's as well, which apparently has been attributed to Conor Golson. So, as I say, I didn't see anything in what he'd done that, that merited them being dropped in the first place. Although the Rangers fans are still yet to be convinced by this guy. I accept I, that. I'm yet to be convinced. I'll be absolutely honest. I'm yet to be convinced by him. I think he had flashes of very good play today, but I. I agree. I don't necessarily see anything that he did particularly wrong. I think he picked up a stupid, naive book in that didn't help his cause. Um, and, and that led to him being dropped. And then Flanagan comes in and Flanagan plays well. And pl- probably in most games plays better than Barisic has done. And Barisic hasn't shown anything over the past season that leads me to believe he can handle the expectation of playing for Rangers and, and handle games where he's expected to, to be a creative force. Right, We're playing today. We play with um, Ryan Jack and Glenn Kamara and Joe Aribo, as has been pointed out in the comments here, Joe Aribo was playing also quite deep. And obviously, the idea for that is to allow Barisic and allow Tavernier to push on and really develop down the wings. It happened on the right wing, but it never happened on the left because Barisic and Jordan Jones never really worked well together. No, that's true. I think that's the. I think that's what the main problem is. We're comparing them and contrasting them against James Tavernier, who for the last what three four seasons has been excellent for Rangers. And at times his delivery has been fantastic. And now in the first 10 minutes of the game today, you're looking at James Tavern and you're saying, Tav's up for this. But a lot of the balls that he put in were overhit. And that's the truth. They were overhit and there was nobody there. Jordan Jones should have been in there in that area, but wasn't. Uh, we've, seen, we've seen the same thing uh, on Thursday night against um, uh, Leija. Uh, and Ojo got on it in the first eight minutes. Ojo got on it, but he put his header wide, if you remember that. It was the same ball he played. 
And again, John Flanagan wasn't up there to pick up that ball. So John Flanagan on Thursday night was fantastic. He was excellent. He's made some fantastic tackles and some excellent interceptions. But that doesn't mean that the Borna Barisic isn't a good player just because John Flanagan had a good game. No, that's that's true. And I'm not going to argue with that. But the question, I guess, in a more pragmatic sense is, do you trust Borna Barisic to play on Thursday and play on Sunday in our two biggest games of the season? Uh, maybe not Thursday, but Sunday, yeah. That's, see, that's interesting. See, I wouldn't play him on Sunday. I still, yeah, he gives me the fear at times. I just don't know if I could play him on Sunday. Well, we played him at Celtic Park um, last year, and he was absolutely fine. Mm. I'm, I'm with Ross. He's a player I'm yet to be convinced by. I, I you know, you know, it's there. It's so frustrating. It is. You know, it really a player f- in there, but it just it's, he's hiding it. At I, and as as Mark points out here on, on the stream, he needs to run a games to build a bit of confidence. He needs to put good performances together but unfortunately when you're playing for Rangers you don't get the three or four easy performances where you can really feel your way into the game and you're certainly not going to get it this week yeah. um, and as Ace 2-3 Jer points out as well Flanagan is, defensively has looked stronger and looked more capable than, than Barisic and that's what we're going to need this week we need on Thursday we certainly need to keep a clean sheet we really really need to keep it tight defensively and Barisic can be exploited we saw it this, this afternoon we saw that you know, they were getting some joy towards the end of the game down their right flank, and maybe Barisic has picked up a wee knock, we don't know, but um, they certainly had at least one or two opportunities where they could have equalised, and it looked like that came from Barisic's end. So if he's struggling to look tight defensively against St Mirren, I struggle to see him going in against Celtic or against Legia. I don't see him playing against Legia. Legia are, are too clever on that right-hand side. But... Um... I don't see. I don't. I don't see how he wouldn't fit into that team playing against Celtic. The only person in the Celtic team that really makes that any difference is is uh, James Forrest, really. Well, it's, it's certainly a different proposition to Celtic sides that we went up against maybe eighteen months ago. Um, sticking on that theme, then, John. Obviously, next Sunday it's the first Old Firm of the season. Them coming to Ibrooks. Um, and with us going in level on points, this is a chance to really, really put down a marker. Are you more confident this season than you have been perhaps over the last couple of seasons? No, no, I am the world's biggest pessimist when it comes to games against the Tims. I am um, not, I'm never confident going into them. Um, being sensible for a second, I think you have to look at this current Celtic team and say it doesn't look as good a team as perhaps they had the last two seasons. And at the same time, they've had one bad result, you know, and, a, and it, was a, it was a very bad result, you know, that result for them against Cluj. You know, that was a, you know, to, to lose four at home, that, you know, that was a very, very poor result. Suggests, you know, a lack of leadership, suggests a lack of game management, um, a host of things wrong. Um, other than that, they're, they're doing pretty well. You know, I mean, they're, they're scoring goals in, in, in Scotland. Um, I, you know, no, I never go in confident. I always go in fearing the worst. It's just my nature. Um, Celtic are actually in okay form. You know, I think I've read a few things. I've read a few, I've read a few things in Jersey. I've read a few things online elsewhere um, where, where people have, you know, been making comments about, um, you know, that this, this, this Celtic are there for the taking, etc. I'm not convinced Celtic are there for the taking. I think we will need to be our absolute best to beat them on Sunday. Uh, I still think they are dangerous. Um, whatever we think of Lee Griffiths, 
Um, and I don't think a lot of them. Um, he can score goals in, in the Scottish League. He can hurt teams. He is very good from set pieces. Um, the guy is it Edward? Is that is that his name? Ed, Edward. Um, but the, the, the BBC. That's the one. I, um, you know, again, you know, this is a guy who can score goals at at at, at the level that that Celtic are playing at. He can score goals at that level. They've got two or three guys in midfield: the guy McGregor, the guy Forrest that you've said you've seen it being reasonable for him. Um, you know, they, they, if we underestimate them, I think that would be a, a, a mistake. What I will say is, I don't think the Rangers management team and Rangers players are underestimated. I think it's the fans that are getting, or some of the fans who are getting a little bit carried away. Um, yeah, you know, we beat them, and we, yeah, we beat them and we beat them well at home in the, you know, the last game of the season, there, the last uh, Rangers Celtic game of the season. You know, we, we dominated them from the start of that game to the end. Um, you know, we, we, we played well uh, against them. We beat them at home um, in the game earlier in the season as well. Um, but there's not much between the teams. You know, I think it's fair to say that. There's not much between the teams. Um, a mistake, a piece of brilliance. Um, could win it. If we go in with the right attitude, then we'll see. I am a little concerned that, you know, how, what, what will happen after the Thursday night? You know, how, how Thursday night goes, we'll have a, a you know, that's going to be a tough game on Thursday night for us. You know, Legia are coming into that game thinking they can win it. You know, they're coming to Ibrooks thinking they can win it. We saw ourselves last Thursday, you know, they're no mugs, they're a decent team. Um, they're certainly a team, they're certainly as good as us. Um, so, you know, we need to be at our best to beat them. You know, it'll be interesting to see Celtic are in a better position. You know, all right, they have to go away from home. They've got a bit of travelling. But no, I, I never go in confident. I always go in thinking, oh, I just can't wait for this to be over. I never enjoy them. Uh, Joe, I tell you what, thank God you're not doing our team talk because. <laughs> good today, like, I've got a day off work tomorrow. Lovely sunny day, being out at the pub. Um, two minutes with you and I'm I'm miserable. Yeah, no, that's the <laughs> way you Oh, man. Just, anyone, be grateful, just, just be grateful you can't see that. me, Ross. Jesus Christ. I've, thanks to the listeners that have managed to stick in with that because... <laughs> I, think, I think we'll move on. Because... <laughs> I was just going to talk about it myself there, Ross. You, you Celtic are there for the taking. I well, that know. doesn't instill in me any more confidence than, than I normally would have. Because like the rest of the teams in Scotland, when they play us, they always raise their game. Regardless how they're playing, and you can never, you know, you can never really, you never really, you know, on form. One team should win, or one team should lose, or whatever. That goes out the window when it's an old firm match. So, you know, treat it just the same as any other old firm match. Go in there with your confidence that you're good enough to beat them, and if you get the result, then great. I'd like to see us hammer them, but if we beat them one 0 that's just as good as a five nothing to me. How do you but see it going, Ross? How do I see it going? Yeah. No one ever asks me. I just ask the questions. Um, I, I think we'll do it. I really do. And I'm usually quite pessimistic, but I really do think that we've improved over the summer. We've really improved. You see Joe Aribo today, right? He's a class player. There's a different class to that boy. And I think Stephen Davis has matured and, and, and kind of got back to where he was as a Rangers player. He's looking fitter than he ever did. And he's, he's sharp and he's intelligent. Um, I think we've got better players than we did. Yeah, Jack's in great form as well. Jack's in fantastic form. Jack today was phenomenal. Um, and it's, I just think there's a steal about us. And there's a, there's a really, really good point that, that's been made here again on the YouTube is that 
often these things can be decided based on the number of debuts that are being made in the old firm. And we have got a few, right? So if Shea Ojo plays or if Jordan Jones plays, Joe Aribo will be making a debut. But I think we have got, we've also got a lot of experience. Shagger, very experienced. Davis, very experienced. Ryan Jack's played in a few of these things now. Tav as well, very experienced in old firms now. And I just think if we get the noise up, noise levels up in Ibrox, obviously with the right songs, um, we can we can create an atmosphere that's going to make them feel under pressure, put them under pressure very early on. I would, I would just love to see Morelos get a goal. I really, really would. I would love to see him because that's the one stick that people can still beat him with because his disciplinary record's tidying up. His goal scoring return is excellent. The one stick that they still beat him with is that he's not scored against Celtic. I would love to see him stick the winner away on Sunday. I think we'll do it. I really. There's a good it. chance of that happening if Frankenstein's in goal. Aye, exactly. I mean, did you see, by the way, they announced that signing like midway through the first half of them playing out in Stockholm. And yet we're supposed to believe that they have all this great PR and they're such a slick, slick machine. Anyway, we're getting away from the point. I think what we need to do next, lads, is talk a wee bit about Thursday. Um, it was obviously a, a tough, tough place to go, Legion Warsaw. It's a step up in, in class and step up in ability compared to the teams we've faced so far. Michelin's were a good side, but we proved ourselves to be better. But I think Legion Warsaw are kind of a cut above them. John, I'm sure you, you managed to catch the game on Thursday. What did you make of the performance? And, and is 0-0 a good result for us? I was disappointed with the result. I, I think you need to score away from home. You know, I think in, in two-legged European matches, you need to go away from home. I, this may sound daft. I actually think losing 2-1 um, in some ways is, is, is a better result than drawing nothing each. Um, I don't know that sounds daft, um, but I, I, I still think you need an away goal. So I think we've, you know, we've got a, we're going to have a tougher game on, on Thursday than we've played any, any game this season so far. This will, be a, this will be our hardest game. They'll fancy it. They'll fancy they can take it on the break. I, mean, I think they, we had good chances on Thursday night. I actually thought we played quite well in patches, but in the second half, I thought they were the better team. Um, and I, what worried me a little bit was I thought we were starting to get a little tired. I thought we were starting to get pulled out of position a bit. They were getting a bit of space, um, and with better finishing, they should have they should have scored. You know, I think there's two occasions I thought you, know, you really should have scored that. There was one with the header, the guy put the header past that you should have buried. Um, there was one where, where McGregor had a very good save, um, and I think it was Kat, Katic had one. I think it was Katic one superb block. Um, it was Katic, wasn't it? Um, no, it was John Flanagan. Was it? No, what, Flanagan, was it? Come in? Yeah. Covering, was it? I never give Flanagan credit for anything. I'm going to pretend that I still think it's Katic and give him the credit for that, just because I don't like John Flanagan. Um, but I, I thought we played I thought we played well in patches, really good in the first half, um, not so good in the second half. But that being said, we should have scored. You know, uh, I, thought that, I thought that chance that fell, fell to Alfredo, uh, he should have buried. Um, frankly, that was one you should have bullied. Um, so, is it doable? Yes, it is. You know, a, a rocking Ibrooks, um, the way we play football, if we can keep it tight at the back, um, if we can get a goal, um, we don't even need to score an early goal, but if we can get a goal in the first half, I would be confident then with them having to attack us, the kind of players we've got, that we would be able to start then making use of the space. Uh, as it is, I think they will try and hit us in the break. I think they'll expect us to bring the game to them. I think that is how we'll play um, and they'll try and hit us in the break um, and, and we need to be wise to that. Um, and are Warsaw a better team 
than the Russians we played last season. I think they are. I think they are a better team. Um, I, I was. I thought they were. A, they were a better team than I thought they were going to be on Thursday night. Um, I, I thought they were. You know, certainly. You know, I think if we'd come away from it with a defeat, I don't think we could have complained too much. Would have been disappointed, but I don't think we complained too much. Likewise, if we'd sneak the win, we'd have been delighted. They're strong. They're a strong European side with good European pedigree. Maybe not so much in the last few years, but the, you know that they are they are a good side, the most successful team in Poland. And you compare Polish football to Scottish football, there's probably not too much in it. Um, Graham, how about yourself? Would you you know the simple question that's obviously very very hard to answer in retrospect, but would you have taken nil nil if it was offered to you at the start of the game? Uh, yeah, I would have. Um, just wanted to say that I think they got um, a late winner today in a, in a three two. Um, the team, I can't remember the name of the team that they were playing now, uh, escapes me but yeah they got a late winner and, and that team had been in the lead twice and they, they came back region 1-3-2 at the end so they've definitely got goals on their team um, would I have taken the 0-0? Yeah, absolutely I would have taken 0-0 but that doesn't make it any easier, it's going to be a very difficult tie to navigate um, we need to have good game management and we need to know the right time to score and the right time to hold. And if we can do that, then I, I think we'll go through. Yeah, right. They beat Lodge 3-2 away from home. Yeah. Today. Uh, look, the, someone's made a really good point here. Mark's made a good point on the YouTube that they have the best defensive record that we'll have come up against in Europa League this season or last season. And I have a feeling that I'm right in saying they've not conceded in any of the Europa League qualifiers this season. But we have goals in us. You know, we put six past Hibs. We put um, seven on aggregate, I think, past Mitchelland. We put 10 on aggregate past St. Joseph's. And all right, the quality goes up. But there are goals in this side. And Legia have to come out and play because they have to score on Thursday. And so it's a totally different proposition to the St. Mirren game. Um, as Mark points out, both managers have said that the game has kind of swung now, slightly tipped in Rangers' favour. It, it's hard because the the most pressure in this game is on the Rangers' defence, right? If Ledger score, I think Ledger wins. So we need to keep a clean sheet. Obviously, if Ledger score, we need to score twice. Um, so I think and the game Ledger- on Thursday there, I mean, all the literature that I was reading before and match analysis stuff that I was reading before the game expected them to use a high block, which they didn't do. They used the mid block. So that reduced the space in the middle of the park. Now, is that the way they play at home or is that the way they play away? If they use their high block, then there's plenty of space in the middle of the park for us to exploit. John, do you, you need someone to explain what a high block and a mid block is or are you feeling all right? No, no, I, I know the haircuts. <laughs> Shape matter. Right. Um, no, you're right, Graham, in that it, it, it's, it's tough and... Uh, What's, what I think is going to work in our favour is that we have got a very adept tactical coaching side in Mick Beale, Jordan Milsom, um, particularly Michael Beale, of course. And I think they'll be they'll be well prepared and well set up. And I also think- Stephen Gerrard. So he's got the, the experience himself, over 100 odd games in, in Europe. So that's where I think the game will be won and lost. Of course. And so uh, to me, the, the game is going to be won and lost in our penalty box and how tight we can keep it. As has been pointed out online here, 
Legia Warsaw are very, very good in the air. They're very good at set pieces and they're particularly deadly from corners. So what's going to matter most to us is keeping it tight in our own penalty box. And, you know, it, it sounds silly, it sounds old-fashioned, but a no-nonsense approach. And that, to me, is why Nikola Katic has to play in this game. I'm sorry to kind of bring it back to something we were talking about 15 minutes ago. That's why Katic has to play in this game. Um, and I worry that, that Conor Goldson doesn't have quite as cool a head as Katic does. Um, we were also it, informed that Midland had that capability as well. I mean, there's a good, there's a, you know, there's a good shout to say that, that Legia are a, better, a slightly better team than Midland, but I thought Midland were, were pretty handy, to be honest with you. And their set plays just didn't work on the night. But apparently that's where they're strongest. And we did okay against it in both games. I thought we overran them from the day, from the, you know, the first, the start of the first game, we just overran them. Um, you know, we took our chances uh, you know that tie was over by, you know, midway through the second half of the. Uh, I mean, even when it got back to three two, you didn't, you weren't worried. You still thought we'll, we'll, we'll score more. Yeah, I was, I was worried. I spent all that money on flights in a hotel in in Denmark. I was worried when that got to three two. Yeah, I knew you couldn't go the whole podcast without dropping in that you were at that game. <laughs> I knew it was impossible. Hi, no, sorry. The thing is, right, John. How do you? We can talk about. I think I think in Denmark they were technically good players, but they were tactically poor, and it's probably been borne out by the fact that their managers now walked away because he knows how badly he got that wrong. So if we put that to one side, how do you actually feel about this coming Thursday? What's your gut saying? Do you think we can do it? Yeah, I absolutely think we can do it. You know, I, I think like you said, there's goals in this team. Uh, you know, we can score. Um, we play nice football. Um, having watched us in the Europa League last season, you know, I, we shouldn't fear anyone. You know, I do think that the players, I think the Europa League level um, is is our level just now. I think that is the kind of level we're at. And I think we can, you know, go toe-to-toe with just about any side um, in the Europa League and at Ibrox and, you know, ex- expect to, to have a result. So, no, I don't go into it feeling the worst. I'm not, it's not like the Celtic game where, where I don't work with any alleged Warsaw fans. I don't have to fear going to see them in the Monday morning. Um, so it's slightly different. Um, I think I think we could have had a slightly better result in Warsaw, um, but I think we can win in, uh, win at Ibrox. You know, I mean, I'll be disappointed if we if we go out. Um, you know, we're not playing. You know, they're not Barcelona. Um, you know, they're, they're not Liverpool. They're a they're a decent European team. They're over on a par with us. But you know, at Ibrox, I still I still think that we are good enough to win this tie. Uh, I think. Yeah, I agree. One more goals than them. Any win. It's on any win. Any win at all. Yeah. And we're through. 1-0, 5-4. It doesn't matter. Um, it, it, we just need to do it. Um, but I think we can. You know, and I think you said it yourself, there are goals in this in our team. And if we can keep it tight at the back, then you know, I, I think we can score. So then the question becomes, Graham, obviously we've got a huge week coming up with the fact we, we have to play the most important game of our season so far on Thursday. And then Three days later on Sunday, we have a, another massive, massive game domestically. How do you balance the importance of getting the team right on Thursday with ensuring that we're sufficiently prepared and sufficiently rested for Sunday? You don't balance it. You play your best team in both games. It's only two games. But does that potentially compromise certain players and then potentially compromise the effectiveness of the team for Sunday? Uh, it shouldn't. It's only two games. 
But I mean, the start I mean, of the season. You mentioned it was. I'm sure it was yourself mentioned that we did start to look tired in Poland, which isn't something we've said often about a Steven Gerrard team. So if we were looking yeah, tired, John, I John, then if we're looking tired in Poland, which I agree with, is there a danger that we need to be looking at rotation or need to be playing this smart? And it's not just as simple as play your best team because it might compromise the effectiveness on Sunday. Well, if you look, it was a very professional performance by Rangers on on Thursday, uh, especially in the first half. We more or less controlled the first half uh, and they were reduced to what? In total, over the full game, maybe three, four shots and a European tie for a qualifier. That's, That's no mean feat. So it's not a surprise to me that around the 60, 65 minute mark, certain players... Uh, Joe Arriba in particular was starting to get tired. Um, the amount of work that they were putting in was basically, that was the result. Of course they were going to get tired. Uh, Scott Arfield was knackered. Scott Arfield wasn't so, so hot today either. His, t- his first touch was off and he did look tired. But he's got um, he's got a few days to rest up for Thursday and then a few days again to rest up for, for Sunday. These are, you know, these are players that will probably play both games Thursday and Sunday, um, and then you can pick around either um, Jermaine Defoe for Thursday or Jermaine Defoe for Sunday. And who do you play? Do you play Jermaine Defoe on the Thursday or play him on the Sunday or play him in both games? I don't think Jermaine Defoe at his age has got those two games in him. Alfredo Morelos most definitely would have. Uh, no, I don't. I don't see any problems with asking uh, professional football athletes to play two games in a week, especially when they're two large, uh, two massive games like these. Yeah, I agree, I agree with Graham there, Ross. Uh, you know, particularly in August. Fair enough if it was March, but I think in August, you know, that, 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 that we're more than capable of playing these two games. Yeah, some players will, you know, players will be tired. They might get knocks, etc. But you still play your best team on Thursday. And, and then see where that leaves you for, for Sunday. Our squad's big enough. See, that's that's the key point. You play your best team on Thursday and see what that leaves you on Sunday. And there's, and I'm not saying you're wrong, and I absolutely agree with that point, but you have to be pragmatic and realise that that does leave a potential that if three of our best players get kicked off the park on Thursday, we are compromised for Sunday. And I know you can't legislate for that, but that is, that's the reality of the position, right? Well, yes, it is. But so... I don't think you can prioritise. I think at this stage, you know, winning winning on Thursday is important to the club financially. It's important to the club in terms of, of the prestige of getting through to, the, to, to that stage again. And it's important to the supporters because that's where we want to see our, our club playing. So, you know, we put our, I would be very surprised. I would be disappointed if we picked a team on Thursday with one eye towards Sunday. I, I would be very surprised at that. I, you know, in fact, for me, if you said which one, which of the two games is the must win, I would say the Warsaw games are the must win. We don't win that match without a Europe. We don't win the Celtic match. We've still got another six months to 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 get past them, and I think we can. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, it's a fair point, and like I say, I don't disagree with you to to a certain degree. I'm I'm playing devil's advocate, but. I think it is a, a in an ideal world. I play your play your strongest side, and and they'll be fine. And it's an international break, and you'll just push on through. But the, the players did look tired on Thursday, and they've now played another ninety minutes where they had the ball for what 74 percent possession today, something like that. 
and they've been they've been moving the ball, they've been doing the running to then ask them to play what is going to be the hardest game of the season on Thursday and then the next hardest game of the season three days later. It is tough. It's tough physically and it's tough mentally and emotionally. Um, but you're, you're right. You're spot on. Play your, you play your best team. And the Thursday's game is a must win. But if we don't win it, you can make an argument that that gives us more time to focus and prioritise on the league. All of those arguments. I don't care about that. I want to win every game. But there we go. Listen, I think we need to at this point, kind of address the big UEFA-shaped elephant in the room. On Friday uh, evening, we obviously discovered that, first of all, the news broke that there was going to be some kind of sanction, some kind of penalty for um, illicit chanting or singing against St. Joseph's. It then followed very, very quickly that that meant uh, 3,000 seats were going to be closed in a partial stadium closure for the, the home leg against Warsaw. Obviously, what's now transpired is they've decided on the section that's going to be closed. It seems that Union Bears have been kind of pinpointed as the root cause of the the, the problem, whether that's right or wrong. And, you know, we all have our own opinions on on that. Um, Graham, I know you don't want to say too much about it, but we'll, we'll kind of jump with you first and, and then let John take over. What are your kind of immediate reactions to what's happened off the field and in a disciplinary sense from, from Friday night? Well, we really, as a as a fan base, have to be pragmatic about it. Um, we were warned previously um, about unacceptable language and songs by UEFA, and we were told that we would have sections of the ground closed off. And essentially, um, although we were not actually absolutely a hundred percent sure as fans what was in this latest report. UEFA have decided, this is their tournament, they have decided that we have to have a, a section of our, our stand closed. Being pragmatic, we have to accept that and move on. Um, how the club deals with that is a different matter, which is something that I don't really want to uh, discuss uh, because I don't have any solutions either, really. Um, but we have to accept the UEFA ruling as it is and move on from it. It's a mature approach, obviously, Graham. John, we'll come to the kind of the rights and wrongs of this and, and, and who should, you know, who can we assign any blame to? I'll say right at the outset of this, at, at no point on on this show, whether it's myself or Colin on the show, anyone on the Jersnet podcast, at no point are we going to start criticising our own fan base and turning on our own. Um, let's get one thing out of the way first, uh, John. This seems like an unfair and an uneven application of the rules. Say you accept what we've done is is wrong. You accept that you know the the, the crime that we've committed was committed. It, it strikes me that the application of the rules, when you look at what's being done by the fans of other clubs outside Scotland, inside Scotland, it doesn't seem like a fair and even application of UEFA's rules and UEFA's sanctions. Are you asking me if I agree with that statement or or what? I mean, I I don't follow UEFA closely enough to know exactly what they are saying and doing with other clubs. Um, I think, as we said beforehand, um, we are not the first club to have had part of our stadium closed by UEFA. Um, Atletico Madrid had a partial stadium closure um, last season. 
in the Europa League. Um, and, and they actually had uh, 3,000 seats where they were told that they had to close 3,000 seats. Um, so we're not the first club to get this. Um, I do think um, that a number of our support are looking at this in the prism of Scotland uh, and saying, um, well, how come we've had this when other clubs, not a million miles away from us who share the league with us, have, haven't, have have had fines or have had this or have had that, censures and things. Um, and there may be some truth in that. But uh, I think, as, as Graham says, you know what? We can only deal with ourselves. There's absolutely no point in us pointing the finger elsewhere and saying, what about them? Any Ranger supporter who goes to games who didn't know that there are certain songs that have been around for a long, long time, but there are certain songs that are viewed by various organisations, including UEFA and the Scottish media and FAIR or F-A-R-E or whatever, they, however you, you say their name, and organisations like that, that are viewed as being sectarian, that are, you know, people say they are, they are, they are racist. Um, uh, you know, we know this. this is, we've been told this before. And what frustrates me is that the, these songs were large, largely eradicated. You know, you didn't hear them at Ibrooks. You didn't hear them at away grounds. They didn't disappear altogether, but you didn't hear them sung. But they've come back, you know, and, and they've come back in the last 18 months or so. Um, and we've all heard them come back, you know, and there's no point in pretending that... What I can't do is turn around just now to you and say that this didn't happen. Because I have heard Rangers supporters sing songs that we know they shouldn't be singing. We know that are liable to get them into bother, get the club into bother, get individuals into bother. You know, some of these individuals, these are people, you could be arrested for singing some of these songs now. You know, I know some Rangers supporters get frustrated. And I think part of it is they view what happens at other clubs and say, hang on, they seem to be able to get away with doing certain things. Um, but I think you also need to just stop and say, well, hang on a second. All I can do is be responsible for myself. And frankly, anybody who is willing to get themselves a criminal record for singing a song, you know, good luck to them. But you're off your head. You know, um, I think it was Alistair McCullough, and I apologies if, if I shouldn't mention his name, um, tweeted on, on Friday night that, you know, if you're involved in some, if you think you're involved in some kind of culture war just now, that's fine. You shouldn't be doing it at Ibrooks. Okay, if you have issues over freedom of speech, if your issues are, or, you know, if you feel that there's um, draconian measures just now, um, and that you, your freedom of speech, your freedom of expression is in some way being stifled, well, that's fine. Go join a political party. You know, take part in a march on on, on Saturday. Go down to, to to London and, and take part in a march down there. You know, send letters to your MP. You know, lobby the media. Don't come to Ibrox and sing the Billy Boys because you know what? All that does is get the club into trouble. Okay. It will not further whatever cause that you have one inch. It simply won't. So if you are frustrated about, you know, not being able to sing that song or other songs that carry similar baggage, 
then that's absolutely fine. That is your, that your, your you know, it's a democracy. You are entirely entitled to feel that way. But coming to Ibrox and singing it doesn't take that any further. It just gets the club into trouble. And the club have said, the club have said in the past, we don't want you to sing that. And I don't think they could have been any more. They couldn't have said it any clearer on Friday that you are harming the club. Uh, I suspect, and I, I suspect there are a number of people at the club are, are very, very disappointed um, from a financial perspective. But I also, you know, losing the tears and tears, but I also think that they're embarrassed. You know, you know, I, I don't think, and I, I have this conversation with people from time to time, I don't think the Rangers support is racist. Genuinely don't. You know, and I think that's something that's thrown at the Rangers support from time to time. I think this is not true. You know, um, the Rangers support, the only thing the Rangers support care about in their players is that they give everything when they play for Rangers. You know, and, and I, I will debate that with anybody. They don't care what colour that person is. They don't care what religion that person is. They don't care what country that person comes from. If they give everything for Rangers when they're on the park, the support are behind them and they will support them. And, and that for me is, is, is you know, is what being a, a, a range of support is about. That for me is what I think, the, you know, the overwhelming majority of range of supporters think about Rangers and their players. And we can have a big discussion about the history of some of the songs that used to get sung and are being sung again. Um, it doesn't get us any further forward. The meaning of words change through time the meaning of words change. Words that meant something 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, they mean different things today. And we just have to accept that. And I don't know why it's so difficult for people to accept that. And, and, and as, as I said earlier, if, if people wouldn't feel they're involved in some kind of culture war just now, if people wouldn't feel they're involved in some kind of, um, uh, you know, making some kind of point about what they can and cannot say, then frankly, going to, the, going to the football is not the place to do that. You know, if you feel that strongly about that, then, then you should be taking other measures in your life to, to, to get that across. There are plenty of other vehicles for you to do that. But, but turning up a Rangers game and singing songs that are going to get the club into trouble, you know, don't be surprised when the club get into trouble. And don't be surprised then if the club take measures to try and stop that happening. Um, I... Uh, you know, I, I think everybody who goes to Ibrox on a regular basis appreciates what comes out of, of the, the front of the rumour. You know, there are times in some, in some games where, frankly, if they weren't making a noise, you'd hear the players. Um, you know, that's just modern football. Um, that's just how it is. All-seated stadiums and, and season tickets have led to that. Um, and I think everybody is grateful that for the noise they make. Um, so do I think it's fair that they seem to be getting the blame? Um, uh, I'll choose my words carefully here. I think 99% of the songs sung at Ibrox begin there. So I can understand why that seems to be the section that's getting closed. I know, for all I know, UEFA have said that is the section that's getting closed. I don't know one way or the other, or whether that's a club that has made that decision. Um, but I can understand why. I think there will be repercussions. I think, you know, I imagine I read the Union Bear statement before um, before we went on tonight, um, and they're clearly not happy about it. Um, I suspect there will be, you know, I mean, <laughs> there's 
you know, countless pages on the thread on this and Jersnet just now, um, with people making various different points. Um, but as I said, you know, UEFA make the rules. There is absolutely no point in complaining about that. They they make the rules. It's their bar, and if they say we're taking our bar home, we've no game. Um, and and it, it does frustrate me. And I, I you know a bit of my wishes would maybe spoken out about this about about earlier, Ross. You know, we've we've all heard these songs um, over the last twelve to eighteen months. We've all heard them come back. Um, and I wonder whether we some some of us should have spoken out a bit earlier and said, look, you know what, that that needs to stop. Um, maybe that has been going on in the background. You know, maybe there are, maybe the, there are people at the club have spoken to, and I know there is conversations between, um, you know, the, the various singing sections and you know, and union bears and, and the club. There clearly has to be, they clearly have to be talking to each other to put together some of the displays and things they're doing. Um, I have some sympathy. There will be people who, in that section who are not going to get to see a big game, who you know perhaps have done absolutely nothing wrong. Um, I think that happens in football where we all end up getting tarred with the same brush and that is very unfair at times. Um, but, you know, surely now, hopefully now, that will be the end of it. You know, hopefully now folk will just accept, you know what, whether you like it or not isn't the point. The point is you can't do it. So please stop because this is what happens if you do. What's, what's your take on it, Ross? I mean, you're viewing it from afar. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... First things first, that speech was certainly much more uplifting than your preview for the Old Firm game next week. But I think I, I, I totally agree with you. And it's it does boil down to it's UEFA's law and you can you can argue the merits of the law to try and change the law. But until you change that law, it's still the law, right? That's still the rule. So you can't break the law. You can't do the action that would break that rule until you've changed it. Right? It's, it's not dissimilar to like, for example, laws around smoking marijuana, legalizing marijuana. You can make arguments as to whether it should be legal or it shouldn't be illegal. But for the time being, you can't do it. And if you do do it, don't be surprised that you get into trouble. And just, you know, by arguing that, well, so-and-so down the road also does it and they're not getting into trouble. Or, well, I, I did it, but it shouldn't be illegal and it shouldn't be a problem. That That's kind of irrelevant. It's all bluster around the sides of the things. Singing songs like that or the add-ons are getting us into trouble. So let's stop doing it. Let's support our team in other ways because I don't care which players bless themselves. I don't care what colour a player is or what religion he is. We've had Catholic captains, Catholic managers, Catholic goal scorers, and like we, every single one of us has taken them to our hearts. And so it just it's beyond belief because actually I don't think we're really... We, we don't mean the kind of thing behind the word. We don't mean that sentiment, I think, a lot of the time. But that doesn't matter. We're still committing the act. We're still doing it. Um, and it really is that simple. And yes, we are an easy target because the guys at FARE are clearly biased, right? You look at the number of games they're attending, our games versus other people's games. There's a clear bias there. The guy, the actual guy who passed on the report, is clearly biased. It doesn't matter, right? Because we're still doing it. And we are a very easy target because we keep painting a giant target on our chest and we keep handing them the ammunition. And when that stops, then ugh, it, I, I find it I find it frustrating. The one question that I do have, actually I have, I have loads of questions about the whole thing, but I, I can see that we're really running out of time. 
the one thing that I do want to ask John is you say that the songs kind of went away. Why is it in your opinion that the songs have come back? Because they didn't go away fully. They, they went away. People were stopped singing them at the matches. But, you know, if you went to, you know, if, look, you know, I live in Glasgow. You know, you guys have all spent time here. You know, if you went to certain pubs, you went to certain functions, you'd hear those songs. They never vanished completely. And I do think there's a part, I think there's a part of the psyche in Scotland, certainly, and certainly in Glasgow, that people don't like being told they can't do certain things. You know, they don't like being told, no, that's not, you can't do it. You can't sing that song. You can't say that. Particularly when it's something that has gone on, you know, for years, for decades. You know, I mean, uh, the, well, let's talk about the Billy Boys. Um, you know, let's, let, you know, and I don't know if that was, the, if it was that specific song that was the case here. But, you know, that was a song that we were told to stop singing. Okay. You know, so people didn't forget the Billy Boys. You know, frankly, the Billy Boys, it's a great football song. You know, it's the right tempo. You know, it's the right length. You know, it's it's a song that, if it had different words, would still be a great football song. You know, the Kilmarnock fans sing it with different words. You know, and it, and it it's a good football song. You know, but what I mean by that is it's you know it's a, it's an easy song to sing. You know, it's the right as I said, the tempo's right. It's the right speed. Um, it's it's easy, and 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 we're missing it. So they never went away, um, Ross. Those songs never went away. They just we just stopped singing them at Ibrox. Um, but you could still hear them. You know, I mean, I think if we're all being honest with each other, you could still hear them. You could hear them in supporters buses sometimes. You know, you could, as I said, you hear them in certain pubs. They never went away. I think there was an element, there's still an element in the support who don't like the fact they're being told they can't sing these songs. You know, who will point to other clubs and say, well, how come we, how come we can't use that word and they can't? And you say, well, you know what? That's their problem. Our problem is don't use it. You know, and I mean, you can get into the ins and outs of, well, you know, it's 2019. Why the hell are we singing about this now? You know, I mean, we can get all that if anybody wants. Um, but culturally, it's still there in, you know, in some of our support um, that they still want to sing about it. And I think they were annoyed that they weren't allowed to. And it, it came back, came back when we were going through the, the divisions. And it was a wee bit of a hoo-ha, but, you know, that kind of nobody made a, a big enough thing. And I do think the Scottish, I think this, the, the Scottish League um, and the SFA, you know, I think they tried and then they stopped and the Scottish Parliament get involved and it didn't quite work out the way they thought it was going to work out. And I do think that people have thought, you know what, we can sing this again because we're not going to go to jail and, and nobody's brought in any legislation that's properly going to stop this. So it, it's came back. Um, and there's a whole variety of reasons for it. But I find it really frustrating. And if I do, the truth is, I find it embarrassing. You know, I do, when you hear the songs, you think, Jesus, really? Now, now I'm, a, I'm an old man now. You know, I, I, perhaps when I was 19, I felt differently. But I'm 49 now, and, and, and I don't. I look at it now, and I, and I cringe. You know, I, I do. I, I think, really, is there a need for that? Why are we singing about that against, you know, a team from Gibraltar that were horsing? What, what brings that to your mind? I don't know. You can only ask the guys that are singing it. It's, it's just put a real... A real dampener on what's been a, a fantastic opening to the season. Um, and, and listen, we can go on and have a, a superb week that will really be season-defining for us, could bring in a hell of a lot of money, could see us go clear at the top of the league, could, could have a real psychological impact on the title race. I sincerely, sincerely hope that the actions that have caused us to now 
lose 3,000 seats and perhaps lose our 3,000 most vocal supporters isn't going to have a knock-on effect on Thursday, which could have a knock-on effect for the rest of the season. Listen, I reckon we could talk about this all night. And, and since it's a bank holiday in England and I'm off the work tomorrow, I'm, I'm tempted to do so. But I reckon that's probably a good time to call it quits there. Um, guys, I just want to say a, a massive thank you to both my guests this evening, to, to John and Graham for their fascinating insight, as always. Also, a big thanks to anyone who's uh, joined in with the show and left us a comment over on the YouTube. I'm really sorry I wasn't able to get through more of those, um, but I haven't been able to cut in, in front of John's talking. Um, if you have enjoyed the show, make sure you head over to the website, www.jersnet.co.uk. You get loads more great content over there, including match previews, special articles, as well as a friendly discussion forum where you can find myself, John, Graham, all the other podcast contributors. I'm sure you're already members, but if you're not, certainly do check it out um, and let us know what you think. We'll be back the same time next week um, after what is going to be a massive, massive week for Rangers, welcoming, obviously, Legio Warsaw and Celtic to Ibrooks. Make sure you join Colin for that one. All that's left for me to say is thank you very, very much for joining us, as always, and have a great week.